Okay, everybody, welcome to the new episode of the Boostly podcast. This is the podcast that gives hosts the tactics, the tools, the training, and most importantly, the confidence to go out there and get more direct bookings. My name is Liam Carolan, Mark Simpson's co-host, and today we are shining the spotlight onto a very special guest. So I'm really pleased to have them both here. We've got Elliot Coldwell, and he's the founder, and Michael Elefante, who is the co-founder of Home Team Vacation Rentals. Now, this is a business which you're going to want to go and Google and go and check out. You may remember Michael, who has been on the podcast before. He's featured, uh, we discussed the uh, B&B Investor Academy and had an amazing chat about all things social media and short-term rental at the time. He's back and he's joined by his business partner, Elliot. And today we're talking about their short-term rental business. And also we're going to be talking about the formula for short-term rental success. So let's dive in. Welcome along, Elliot. And uh, welcome back, Michael. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Awesome. So thank you for joining me today. So let's start how we normally do, which is, can you briefly just tell us a bit about your role within the business, what your favorite thing about being a host is as well. And if we start with yourself, Elliot. Uh, yeah, so uh, founded home team. We started tinkering with it, Michael and I, probably beginning March, April of this year, then kind of officially launched on August 1st. And uh, so I run everything day to day. And then Michael, um, you know, as he runs Airbnb Academy and has his sales team. And then he's also talking to our sales team and helping us out with a bunch of leads via social media. But I run the day to day and, um, you know, have a team behind us. We have a team of uh, nine full team employees in the States. And then uh, we have five full time virtual assistants uh, to help out with guest communication. And yeah, so August 1st, we kind of launched officially. And it has been a wild growth since then. Since August 1st, we've grown it to, I just looked, with 82 properties that we have live. And I have a big push of a discount to the end of the year to try to get to 100 properties by the end of the year. So that's a long stretch goal. I don't know if we can get there because Christmas and the new year, but we actually had six come in today. So that got us to 82. So, you know, working on that and, you know, there's a struggle in that as well as as we grow and especially the the fast growth that it's been so yeah that's that's, that's what exciting it's exciting and, and that's just amazing in general to, to do that so if we come to yourself michael if you can give us a brief introduction and what your role is within the business and also your favorite thing about hosting yeah yeah i guess um technically my my role is chief revenue officer i mean i kind of head up a lot of the marketing front too and help with just spreading the message of home team vacation rentals out with the world through social, various social media platforms and with a lot of my own clients who are now clients of the vacation rental business. And the favorite thing about hosting is, is providing unique experiences and quality guest experience to people from around the world, uh, different locations too. It's, it's really cool hosting other properties in addition to ones that we invest in ourselves because uh, we can share, you know, put our special touch on, on all these properties and, and share them with the world. Definitely. We're going to be diving into some of those, uh, what the special touches are and, you know, what we can learn from that. So let's just hear a little bit more about the business itself. Elliot, whereabouts is the hospitality business? Is it, and you mentioned the 82, are they sort of spread across a lot of locations and what sort of guest avatar do you tend to host? Yeah, we're mostly in the Southeast of the United States, uh, Florida, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. We have a few properties in uh, Seattle, Washington, uh, some in Scottsdale, Arizona. New Hampshire, Maine, kind of spread out. You know, we we have no problem being a, a nationwide company uh, and leveraging technology uh, to best uh, service across the country. 
And I would say our most popular avatar is a family um, and, you know, building family experiences. We have larger homes, not many, you know, studio one bedroom homes, but more three, four five plus bedroom homes. And so the cabins, the, you know, on the lakes of uh, New Hampshire and Maine and the cabins of the, of the Carolinas and Tennessee, where Michael has a few properties and we manage a few properties and then closer to the beaches in Florida. And just to dive, uh, still sticking with yourself there, Elliot, what was your first property? What was it like? Or, or what is it like if you still got it? Yeah. So I, I also own seven properties. Um, so those 82 don't include um, mine and Michael's properties. So if we include those, we're a little closer to 100. So I own, and my first one was in uh, Mars Hill, North Carolina, just above Asheville, North Carolina. I actually found Michael on TikTok in December. Funny story, December 2020. He had just kind of got started on his, I mean, now, you know, over a million followers and that, which helps us with uh, you know everything we do on the marketing front. And then that was December and then January, February, March, kind of did my own research. And then on March closed my first property and uh, it did, I think the first 12 months, $170,000 in revenue, you know, and that was before the market had the uptick. So I got a good deal on that too. I think it was 400 and uh, $26,000 I bought it for, and it just appraised for 600 something. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So let's go back to yourself then, Michael, uh, same sort of question. And and just before we move on, actually, I, I have seen the Skybox cabin. Whose is that? Is that yours, Elliot? Yeah, that's, that's my first one. Yeah. I mean, that that is terrific. And again, go and check out anybody listening to this, go and check out home team vacation rentals. And I think there's a link to the Skybox cabin. I think that's how I came across it, but it just looks beautiful. It looks like literally a family vacation up in the sky, amazing views. And yeah, just, just really good. So Michael, same question. What was your first one? And um, yeah, I just love taking it back to those sort of grassroots. What was your first short-term rental, I should say? Yeah, we went live with our first one uh, three years ago, just over three years and a couple of days ago. It was in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, it was a four four bed, three and a half bath, uh, about ten minutes outside of downtown Nashville, and cater a little bit more towards bachelorette party, special occasions, some family travel, but most of the time it's like the special occasion or special event type groups that are coming in and booking that place. Nice, nice. So, from humble beginnings to amazing, you know, uh, amazing things, but which both of you so. Let's talk about the formula for short-term rental. So in your own experiences, but things that people will be able to learn from, let's start with what you considered when you first uh, went to invest and where to invest. How did you decide on what areas to really go for? And if we stick with yourself first, Michael, on this and then go to Elliot afterwards. Yeah, I think for me, you know, there's really two different types of markets, the urban markets, which are more, you know, around metro or city areas. And then the traditional vacation mar- markets, so mountains, beaches, lakes, uh, things of that nature. For an urban market, which is where I started in Nashville, I really look for two key things. One is a strong tourism, but that's also trending upwards. And then a growing population. I think a growing population is going to bring in new business investment, and it'll be a more fruitful investment for the long term, not just today. And then the growing uh, and steady tourism is obviously what's going to help support some of you know the higher average daily rates that we're that we're looking for in a property. Um, and the vacation rentals, we're just looking for, uh, you know, a few different criteria, like location within that market. Does it have a nice view? Where, why are people visiting? Like you said earlier, building that customer avatar before mm-hmm. designing and furni- furnishing the place is really crucial. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. And uh, Elliot, have you got anything to add to that? And also just to stack the question, what do you find works in terms of the amenities that your guests are most sought after by your guests? 
Yeah, I think, you know, adding on to Michael, leveraging data has been key for Michael and I, um, especially on air DNA. And then, you know, I mean, me and Michael, we put in together two offers the past month and that those offers were based everything Michael said, but mainly uh, looking at air DNA, looking what the numbers were um, and, you know, making that right decision. But, you know, making a place stand out is huge, uh, whether that is adding a fire pit, adding a putting green. Down here in Florida, we've had a local guy that'll do a putting green. We tried to do one the first, we did one on our one of our first properties that we managed, and it was like $8,000, and I thought that was ridiculous. I found the local guy to do an even better job of like $2,500. And so we put as many putting greens as we can, especially down here where we live in Florida. We're close to um, the Valspar, it's a PGA tournament, Copperhead course in Palm Harbor, Florida. And uh, so a lot of people come down in February, March. So we want to, you know, so it's very, it's a high rate at that point. And so we're going to be one of the first ones to get booked because of course, golfers coming down, they want to have a putting green in the backyard. So yeah, anything you can do to stand out and uh, and be creative, whether it's, uh, you know, I've seen soccer fields, you've seen par three courses and or par three holes, you know, and obviously that takes a lot of space, um, but trying to be creative, trying to be the first one to do something, I think is important. That's so cool. That is, I mean, like you say, you're thinking about why people are coming is probably, you know, golfing tournaments, they're going to enjoy that side of things. And just to have a putting green is is so cool because I don't know of, I think you're the first person who said, hey, a putting green in the back, in the back garden. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's really cool to have. So when you got started with your own properties, obviously your day-to-day roles and the team would have looked very different. What has changed in terms of your team and also your perception of what you need to grow the difference between managing just a few short-term rentals to now what you're doing, which is really scaling a big business? It's hard because, you know, our seven properties now are like our babies. So it's hard to, you know, give that responsibility uh, to someone else. And, you know, but at the same time, it's impossible to run, you know, almost a hundred properties while focusing on, you know, what this guest said, what that guest said. And so, I mean, our team is an A team and uh, we just had everyone down uh, last week, actually. I had a Christmas party and had everyone down from some leadership training and uh, I wouldn't trade any of them for, you know, anyone. And uh, so really leaning on them and then leveraging, you know, leveraging technology. We use Guesty as our uh, PMS and, um, our virtual assistants in the Philippines and Venezuela, you know, now we have 24 seven customer service because they're 12 hours ahead. And then, so some of them work through the night and, um, you know, it's great to have that. And then, so we don't have to worry about guest communication. Anything comes up, uh, Abigail, our director of customer and guest communication kind of you know, is the middleman between anything that's important. Um, and so that's, that's been the hardest thing though, is, uh, really giving no way that responsibility, at least for me. That's cool. And uh, same question to yourself, uh, Michael, is there, is there been any perceptions which have changed from, you know, the early days to, to now you're managing such a different, larger business? Yeah, I think just Elliot kind of hit home with it. For me, it's just going from business operator to business owner and really trying to manage the business versus managing the date, like the active day to day. So we're more, you know, perched up ahead and, and, and delegating um, tasks to team members and then teaching them to be experts in certain tasks. So that way, as we grow, we can grow thoughtfully. Uh, cause if you, you know, if you try to grow too big on your own, eventually you're going to hit so many bottlenecks and your customer service and the quality of, uh, stays that you, you know, as a host, uh, put out there for guests, uh, is going to go down. So like Elliot said, hiring, hiring a players and just hiring, 
uh, awesome people that are not afraid to make mistakes, not afraid to fail, uh, are coachable, and just willing to learn and and go out there and execute day to day, and you know, stay on par with the vision that we had for you know each of our thirteen or thirteen combined properties early on. And we try to apply those same strategies and effectiveness on the management side to all the properties that we manage. So yeah, I think that's that's about it. And and sticking with the team side of things, so was there in the early days uh, when you're sort of looking after, like you say, the the day to day operations compared to now when you're in the business, was there a particular hire at a certain time which you go, hey, I'm so glad I did that hire at 30 properties or at 40 properties? Is is there is there one that sticks out at all, if any? God, there's so many. Yeah, I would say our director of guest communication, I've already mentioned Abigail. She is a, me and Michael are like, Abigail, you're working too hard. Like, but she's having a baby in March. And so we're worried about that. But, you know, being able, that's the hardest part in this business. And some people like it and some people don't. And they're not to say I don't like it, but it is tough, you know, when especially I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and hey, hold on, quit crying. I got to talk to this guest real quick. And they're like, they don't understand that, right? And so I think that's been the, you know, being that, having her as a buffer in between us as well, um, that's been, you know, good. And that was a director of, of guest communications. And what, what sort of level of properties would, would you say was with the right time to, to bring somebody like that on? I would say as early on as possible. I mean, you know, if, if you're a business owner listening, you know, you know your math and your accounting better than I do. And so as soon as you can afford uh, to bring on someone to that matter, uh, I would do it as soon as possible. Amazing, amazing. And uh, is there anything to add, Michael, in terms of of a hire of of a particular hire that you'd say, hey, do this one at this stage? No, I think guest communications is probably the toughest. It's a tough position to fill because guest communication is really critical to to hosting. Um, that plays all a lot into how people review your properties, especially on the OTAs, um, which is crucial for how you rank in search and and future bookings as well. So you definitely want to make sure the quality of service uh, is consistent. So I think uh, I would agree with Elliot that that, that's probably been the most critical to fill and it's a tough position to fill and operate. So she's done an amazing job. That's cool. That's cool. And then sticking with yourself, uh, Michael, the we mentioned tech and you use Guesty as your, your PMS. Is there a piece of tech which is your favorite or one that you just go, do you know what? I'm so glad we've got that. It does this, but this is, you know, it solves this problem for me. And if so, what would it be and why? Probably dynamic pricing software because it takes a lot of the guesswork and a lot of the older PMs, it's not hard to compete with them and really dominate a sector of a market. Because if you're just pricing the same price every single day, like a traditional vacation rental would the whole year, like I looked at one today for as a uh, a comp for a property for a client, and we were looking, and they had the same price the weekend of July fourth on a lake as they did like January the second week of January, the coldest part of the year. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. You're not going to get booked at that price in January, and you're probably not charging enough in July. So dynamic pricing allows you to not only dynamically change your pricing based on some of the demand, and you could set certain criterias, but also looking at future looking information and booking trends and what competitors are priced at certain days of the week, all from one pane of glass. So that has been the most critical, I think, for myself and also for the company as we grow and scale to manage multiple properties effectively from a revenue management perspective. You know, you make such a good point there because I speak to hosts sometimes where they've got one or two properties and they say, should I get dynamic pricing? I go, well, do you have time to assess the market? Are you looking at prices enough? And and you you may not need it at certain levels, but certainly once you've got a few properties, it's just 
it makes things so much easier, doesn't it, to to just manage things from, like say, from a distance across multiple markets, which is really cool. And same for yourself then, Elliot, is there is there a particular, you've mentioned Guesty um, as the PMS, is that your favorite or is there another piece of tech which you go, do you know what, I'm so glad we've got that? Um, we wouldn't be able to do what we do without Turnover BNB and uh, having the marketplace of cleaners and maintenance teams across the country. Um, when we launched in uh, Seattle, there was, um, you know, we didn't know anyone out there. It was actually one of our Florida, which is a great to have in the business, one of our Florida properties. They said, hey, we have a property in Seattle. Can you manage it too? We're like, yeah, sure. You know, we're doing a good enough job for them in Florida to be able to, you know, go into Seattle. And uh, we didn't know anyone put it out on Turnover BNB and had 48 applications pretty much to clean. And then one of the, you know, a few of them had like a maintenance team. So it's easy to, you know, have that those boots on the ground, um, even though we're, uh, you know, thousands of miles away. And to be able to to launch in Seattle, now we've picked up a few more there just by doing a good job there. You know, you, you take all it takes one. You you do one, you do a really good job, work it out, and you know that's how the growth happens. That's cool. Get get the foot in the door with the one, and then then grow from there. And you brought us on really nicely onto kind of the mindset that you need to have around short term rental because you know I've talked to hosts sometimes who are comfortable managing just one, maybe two, some managing a few. Others like yourself who are happy to manage across large dif- distances and multiple different properties, uh, different markets and things like that. What would you say is the, and stick with yourself here, Elliot, what would you say is the key things that you need to have mindset wise? Is there any skills or traits that you would say that you've brought with you from either previous careers and uh, you know maybe before you got into this business, which has really helped your mindset or is it something that you've learned along the way? I think it's something we probably learned along the way, you know, as much as we want to be a strong business, we are first and foremost a hospitality company. And every single person that comes and family that comes and stay at our properties, they are extremely, extremely important. You know, I, I was telling our team last week, you know, some people save for months to be able to afford a two or $3,000 beach or mountain vacation. And that is special. You know, maybe the first, their only vacation of the year. And so I think really uh, being client focused and guest focused, not necessarily worrying about the revenue, the not, you know, how much money we're making. If we take care of our guests, if we take care of our clients, we, we feel that in the end, our revenue will be where we want it to be. I really like that because too many people see guests as a number, not as yeah. not as an experience. And like you say, people will have saved. This could be their only holiday. So yeah, really, really good point. And uh, going across then to uh, Michael, is there, what would you say to somebody, let's, let's just rephrase the question. What would you say to somebody who is worried about managing in other areas, you know, who we've just mentioned turnover BNB helps you with that marketplace with finding people in those places. So what would you say in terms of mindset, if somebody was worried about managing from too far, what advice would you have for them? Yeah, I would say kind of go back to what I said earlier, you know, you have to take yourself out of the business and work on the business. Uh, so you're not working on the day to day as much. Even if you started local, I mean, if your goal is to scale, think if you scale to 10 or 20 properties, you're going to have to delegate work and outsource and systematize the business regardless of where the properties are located. And that's something that I found early on was I, I would try and do some tasks on my own when I lived close to my properties in Nashville, but then we traveled for a year and it forced us to manage everything remote and nothing really changed for us, you know, cause we had to, we had established those systems before we left. So. I would say that's the mindset shift you have to adopt is to systematize it in a way, leverage tech and software in a way that can automate as much as possible, and then lean on certain resources like your cleaners, your handymen, 
uh, to be your eyes on the property and make sure everything is kosher uh, before each group of guests checks in. Amazing. And one of the things which I've been really impressed with, obviously, is the scale, the speed of scale that that your your company's gone, that uh, Home Team Vacation Rentals has really scaled. So looking at that side of the business, if somebody wants to scale, what are the things that you need in place to be able to scale in the way that that you have? And if we stick with yourself, Michael, and then go across to Elliot. Yeah, I think you need to have a good team in place or at least a start to hire one or two people, even if you can still handle things yourself. If you're to start taking on, let's say you bring on a client with one property, it's one thing to onboard a property and then you have to stand it up then you have to manage it. There's different pieces to the puzzle. So once you start to get investors that, hey, I have a five or 10 property portfolio, onboarding 10 properties is a job for one person to focus on for like a week, right? Mm -hmm. And you can't, you have to delegate that work to someone who like teach them to, to be the expert in it. Once those properties are onboarded, okay, now we have to manage it, manage the revenue, dynamic pricing, marketing. So as we've grown, we have a director of marketing, we have a director of guest communications, we have a project manager who does a lot of uh, getting the property ready, like finding cleaners, uh, things like that, making sure it's uh, furnished right. And then we have one who does a lot of the sales calls, talking to new investors that are or homeowners that are interested in working with us. So you really have to start to carve out the different sectors or segments of your business and then start to staff it in a way that enables you to grow. Because eventually, like we were saying earlier, you're eventually going to reach certain bottle bottlenecks that you, you're not going to be able to, like you're going to run out of time every day. And then the, uh, the quality is going to start to go down. So you're going to eventually have to start hiring. So I would say hire like one key person who can help you with everything and then figure out what they're really good at. And as you scale, hire a second person, a third person. I think that's what we've done. Uh, quite well. And Elliot's done a great job, uh, you know, taking responsibility of training the team, making sure they're doing things correctly. I like what you've done there, which is break it down into the bite-sized chunks of, hey, you are the, uh, you know, the sniper of of this skill. You know, you are the person who is going to be the person who markets or just onboards. And uh, as you grow, you're, you're absolutely able to do that. So coming across to yourself, Elliot, similar question again, slightly rephrased is why should somebody consider getting investors and how do you go about finding them? You know, how do you go about finding these uh, homeowners or real estate owners with with eight or ten properties? Yeah, I think you know, there's two things. One, obviously, Michael helps out a lot of that, putting you know, posts on his stories and Instagram and TikTok, and um, so that's one way of doing it. But then, two, how I just mentioned, you know, you do a great job. People are going to hear about it, and the word of mouth is going to go. And um, obviously, our director of marketing does a really good job on you know, putting our, not just our guest reviews, but also our testimonials from other owners. And uh, so it's kind of the word of mouth through testimonials and doing a great job. You do a great job once, you know, the word's going to get out and it's just going to multiply. All right, now there's two people and then they're going to get one person. Now there's four. Now those four are going to get one. Now there's eight. And it's just a, you know, a 10x game at that point. Um, and then, you know, if you think about it and going back to Michael's answer, you know, you have five key you know, sections of a company in short-term rentals. You know, you have your guest communication. We already talked about it. You have your marketing, uh, you have your operations, and then you have your sales, and then you have um, just your um, general uh, accounting and bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is where I think is important to hire early as well, is accounting and bookkeeping, at least for me, because I think I'm really good at operations and sales. So if operations need some help, I can slide in there. If sales need some help, I can slide in there. I am awful at accounting, bookkeeping, because it takes like it takes someone that'll sit there for longer than an hour and not get distracted. 
you know, not see a squirrel over there and, you know, all of a sudden talking about squirrels. And then, you know, so that was important for us uh, to hire that early on to hire, you know, and I would say that to, for anybody, you know, take what you're good at and then find out what you're not good at. Hire what you're not good at first, um, whether that's guest communication, uh, general operations or sales or bookkeeping. Hire that person first, especially if they can also be a kind of Swiss army knife. We have a few of those, and, you know, we're, we're growing so fast and we're still on the smaller side of a team. So we have a lot of Swiss army knives right now. That resonates with me about putting off the bookkeeping, you know, like I will do anything to be distracted from doing yeah. the bookkeeping. And uh, that's why I've got a bookkeeper now and uh, accountant. <laughs> yeah. you, you need these people on the team, don't you, to to stop yourself from losing time doing the stuff, which is just not where your your skill set lies. You know, that's, that's really cool. Especially, especially now with this time of year and going in the next year and getting 1099s out, you know, you get 1099s out to all your owners. Um, anybody, you know, all your cleaners, all your maintenance people, you start doing 80, 90, 100 properties, it's a lot of 1099s into yeah. your employees and everything. And so if you're not, you know, structured well to have that, you know, as you go throughout the year, everything organized and everything clean, you're going to be in a, in a mess of trouble, uh, you know, trying to, you know, working some long nights, trying to get everything uh, together before. I think they got to be out before like January 30th or something. So it's like you say, it is a lot of responsibility, but with the right team in place, you're, you're able to do that. So talking about team, obviously uh, you're, you're both sort of business partners. How did you meet in terms of that? I know you mentioned earlier on at the start there, but what made you decide to become business partners, not just, you know, sort of um, peers and and giving each other advice? What made you decide to, Hey, do you know what? This could work as a, as a, as a business. So Elliot reached out to me early on, really, it was right on the brink of when I started doing coaching for short-term rentals. He reached out and I think we hit it off. We both played baseball through college. So just having that college athletic background and similar mindsets there uh, had a lot in common. And he invested some money in some coaching and that's really all he needed. You know, he's coachable and took what he learned and blew it up. As you as mentioned earlier, he scaled to seven properties in what, two years, doing amazing numbers, amazing cash flow. And I personally had never wanted to get into the management business um, because I was always under the mindset of, well, I'm going to manage myself personally because there's so many bad legacy property managers out there. Not that they're bad people or you have a bad business, but they have not adapted to a new way of operating in the short-term vacation rental space. Um, so they're in a, there's a lot of inefficiencies there. So I like to teach people how to self-manage, but there does come a time when you should probably consider outsourcing to a property management organization. Um, so Elliot approached me. He's doing a great job for some people he was doing more like co-hosting management for. And he's like, hey, what if we, you know, like really scale this as a full-blown property management company? And at first I was like, nah, I don't think so. I don't know if I want to do that. And then he started to break down some of like the numbers. I was like, actually, it's a pretty great business model. And I think we could do a great job. And Elliot's great at team building and operations and and all that. And I think I can just help add fuel to the fire, um, which is why I think he was interested in uh, working with me in the first place. And all it is, is deploying the same strategies that helped him and I both be successful early on. And then deploying that for our property owners to hopefully, our goal is to increase the revenue for their property so much that if they're already using a PM, our service essentially is for free, okay. you know? And if they're self-managing, hopefully we can do as good, if not if not a, a bit better, again, to try and make almost our management service uh, for free at that point and completely passive for them. Uh, but our goal is to maximize the ROI and uh, return on investment that uh, our homeowners have put into their, you know, their properties. They invest a lot of money into these properties. We want to make sure we do a good job for them, but not to get off track. But um, I think that initially early on, just having similar backgrounds and mindsets and work ethic. And, you know, we like to joke around a lot. So we just get along super well. Um, and after getting to know each other for a couple of years, it was an easy decision in my opinion. 
Nice, nice. Anything to add to that, Elliot? Yeah, no, I think, you know, me and Michael, you know, it's, it's scary getting, you know, we knew of each, we knew each other, but by, by no means were we like best friends or boys or anything. And so, you know, it's hard and maybe scary to get into business with someone you don't really know, but it couldn't have gone, it couldn't be going better, um, at least in my opinion, than I could imagine. And, you know, our wives, you know, love each other. We had a, the team down and uh, last Saturday, our wives hung out while we went and played golf. Nice. And we both asked our wife, what your favorite part of the weekend? And it was that Saturday when they got to hang out. And I was like, oh, <laughs> there's so many fun things in your your favorite part. And so, and Michael has a, a new, uh, how old's Kennedy? Three months, two months, three months? Yeah, she's about to be three months old. She's almost three months old. And then I have a three-year-old and a, and a 10-month-old. And so we're very, you know, have the same thought process of being family-centric. And, you know, it's actually one of our company virtues. And so, you know, we do amazing business, even if we already called a billion dollars in revenue, but we lose what we have at home. Like it's none of that's worth it. And so we both, take, uh, you know, take that to the heart a lot of, uh, you know, making sure we put our family first. And so that's been good for us as well. So I really like that. And it's, it's obviously everything you're doing is with intent. Now you can clearly see that's it's working and scaling, which is really cool. And like you say, having some of the virtues within the business. I can remember Michael, one of the answers which sticks with me from our, our previous chat was who would you take to dinner? And your first answer was your wife. You know, that was a, that was a really good I actually went in and told my other half and she was like, was, would that be your answer? I was like, yes. <laughs> it would now. Of course um, yeah. But in general, it's really awesome to, to see how well you guys work together. And with so much going on, obviously in the business, big team, scaling quick, how do you stay up to date with all the latest trends and ahead of the competition? Is there any kind of things that you listen to, any blogs or, or, or podcasts or is it just something which, um, is there any habits that you do which keeps you up to date? I think it's, you know, a mixture of everything you just mentioned, but also networking in the industry. You know, word gets out pretty fast, you know, in this industry, especially, especially Michael's obviously done a great job of that with everything he's done with, you know, hostfully and guesty. And then, you know, those relationships that that creates into other relationships and then same uh, you know, have a couple of business partners with some properties and, you know, just, and they have other business partners and other properties. And so just networking and, you know, listening to what's going on in the industry um, has been huge for, at least for me, but yeah, it's probably the, the biggest one. Love yeah. It. The biggest thing for me has been network. You network your net worth. I think we talked about this with someone on a, on a podcast the other day, but I think that's helped me learn and grow immensely. And it's just, I've been fortunate with you know, the content creation and all my content is centered around short-term rentals for the most part. So being able to establish, you know, brand deals is great so I can make money and help market the products I'm already using and loving every day. But I fostered some amazing relationships with leaders at those companies on the marketing front and owners of certain companies and um, just picking their brain about what they're seeing in the industry. Like, how can I help? How can you help type of thing? And I've, what I've noticed is a lot of people are just really just good people and genuine. And most of the people in this industry who have done quite well and maybe run a successful software or, or other investors are pretty open to sharing um, information and, and letting you tap into their network as well. So it's kind of that abundance mindset, just an understanding that there's enough business and, and a success that everyone can, can partake um, and that we can all grow faster together. So I think that's been the most, they're the biggest thing that has helped uh, me personally and I think us together. I love that. I love the the network is your net worth 100%. And um, yeah, I feel I've learned so much uh, from you both this, uh, this 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 evening over here. But um, I know it's midday where you are or, or mid afternoon, I think. 
But yeah, let's just finish with a couple of more lighthearted, fun questions just before we, uh, I want to be respectful of your time and um, before we go. So what would you say is your top holiday destination? Where do you like to travel to? And if we start with Elliot? I would say one of our properties in Asheville, North Carolina, simply because when we bought our first one, our son was, you know, had just turned one. So you know, we have a, a lot of memories up there. And so it's nice to take the family up there and see how things change. But I would say that. Nice. Yeah. And for yourself, Michael? For me, it's just a place I've gone to since I was a kid. And my mom's gone to since she was a kid. Uh, it's Lake Winnipesaukee up in New Hampshire. And it's a, a great vacation rental market, actually. Uh, but it's a place I, I would love to build a house someday to take my kids and kind of pass along uh, that same tradition. Nice. Nice. If you could, this is more of a, a random question, but if you could travel back to any time period, including travel forward to the future, which time period would you travel to and why? And we'll start with Michael on that question. Sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> oh man, any time period? Any time period, yeah. Any any moment in history and anywhere in the world. That's a good question. This might sound weird, but like the roaring 20s in New York City, maybe. And this is a weird way to answer this, but I... <laughs> I love seeing old video or photos of how people dressed up every day. And I wear like sweatshirts and shorts every day. Like I'm a, kind of a bum when it comes to that. But people would wear a full on suit with like a hat, even to like sporting events. The whole crowd was was in a suit and tie. It just looks so cool to me. But yeah, I don't know. That's, that's one of the time periods I think would be cool to go back and experience for a little bit. And also before all this tech existed, I think it'd be nice just to see what the interactions with people were like before first looking at your phone. I like it. I can picture it as you're saying, you know, there's the the well-dressed, you know, right. sort of, yeah. Like everything. the Peaky Blinders kind of look, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant show. Brilliant show. Same to you, Elliot. What what time period or, or any any time period and anywhere in the world? Yeah, I think, you know, we've had a lot of good success with short-term rentals. So I'd go back to like 2011, 2012 and mm -hmm. kind of the beginning short-term rentals and buy as many as I possibly could from then to now. And I'd, if I would have bought as many as I could in 2011, I probably could retire. Uh, and never worry about money again right now. If, so. if only, in, in hindsight, if only we knew at the time. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So we always like to end with this this question. And uh, Michael, since we asked you the, the motto last time, and um, I can remember you saying it was, why not us, which was an amazing motto, you know, why not be us? Uh, what we're going to ask you slightly different is who inspires you and why? Man. Oh, man, that's a good question. I mean... I feel like a lot of people inspire me. You know, I, I guess like an easy way out, but usually I think of my parents, you know, I mean, they have a strong relationship with each other, family focused, have always worked hard and kind of preach things like do the right thing and, and treat people well, you know? So I think just taking some things that I didn't even know I was learning when I was younger and just implementing in my own life has helped me uh, tremendously in both relationship, friendships and business too. So, yeah, I really like that. Yeah, that's, 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 a, that's a good answer at the end of the day. That's cool. And for yourself, um, Elliot, if we go with the question which we always ask, which is, is there a motto or a mantra which resonates with you or inspires you? Yeah, I'm a really big Michael Jordan fan. And I just feel like over the course of his career and, you know, even now, he has so many, like, don't be afraid of failure quotes. Um, you know, I think, I'm going to butch these, butcher these, but I think he said, you know, the key to success is failure. Um, then he said, I've missed more than, you know, I think it was like 9,000 shots in my career. And, you know, then you hear all the, the baseball stats of all the 
big important baseball players that have failed and struck out you know more than any time and more than anyone and i think that's just important like don't be afraid to fail and uh take action and uh you, you know you might fail and that's okay because you'll stand back up it's like rocky it's not how hard you hit it's hard you can get hit and keep moving forward and i think so i think big rocky fan too by the way and i've got, I've got that quote behind this camera yeah, yeah. Who's, you know yeah. who's not who's not a rocky fan but you know it's important because this world's going to knock you down and it's going to keep knocking you down and it's going to keep knocking you down you know yeah me and michael can say we've had all these great things but we've been knocked down before and so i mean those stories we could we could we could tell airbnb stories and vrbo stories <laughs> all day long about being knocked down um we actually were outside my backyard talking about stories like that and so um but we got back up dusted ourselves off and then uh you know and that's how we'll handle everything moving forward so yeah one of those quotes i think that i liked the most from mj was you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take yeah but, yes yeah. and that's what most people like you never want to be the guy at the dinner table in your friend group for 50 years knowing everything about something but have never tried it or take action yeah 100 percent I could keep this going for, for a while. I've really enjoyed doing this. And we should. That's a great theme, uh, Elliot, about the, you know, we could talk about Airbnb horror stories at some stage, do an entire show about that because that could be cool. But Michael has the craziest stories. I have, I don't have that too many crazy stories. Like I have like, okay, crazy. Like Michael has some insane stories. So yeah, maybe one day. We are definitely having you both back on for that. <laughs> 100% if you're up for it. So yeah, that brings us to the end. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, before we go, I've got to ask, how can we get in touch with you? How can we follow you? Um, what's the best way to do so? Yeah, we have a, our director of marketing does a great job on Instagram and all our social platforms. Uh, but Instagram is where uh, where the most, um, you know, DM us on Instagram. And most of the time it's me replying to more of our owners or investor uh, DMs. Uh, you know, then we have a guest team that responds to guests sometimes on there. But yeah, Instagram at home awesome. team vacation rentals. At home team vacation rentals. Got it. Yeah. Awesome. We'll add it to the show notes as well. So yeah, that brings us to the yeah. end. Is there any final thoughts or anything to add before we close out the uh, the recording? I don't think so. Thanks for having us on, Liam. Thanks, man. Thank you. Fun. Yeah, thank you both. I've really enjoyed it. I've learned a lot as well. So thank you so much for coming on. And thank you too, if you're watching this either on the live or listening in on the podcast or on the YouTube uh, channel, then it's just, I know there's so many places you can put your attention and I really thank you for putting it with Boostly. Hopefully you've learned a lot from Elliot and from Michael. I certainly have. And we look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. Thanks very much and uh, bye-bye for now.